Father, in your Son Jesus' name, I pray for your words this morning. That the words you give me would represent your reputation and your kingdom. That my heart would be submitted to your Spirit and not grasp after my own will but yield to yours. That I might announce you or bear witness to your work. May your reign increase in me, in your church, and in this world. Amen. Um, let me start with a question. I'm going to go back to that. This is uh, lesson six for a new church. Remember, we are a brand new church. There, I, I still hear in the hallways, well, but the United Methodists do. We're not a United Methodist church. And so this is a new church. Here's the question. Have you ever had an idea so bad that it would be better to be caught and re reprimanded before it got done? Have you ever had one of those? Yep. I hear that. By the way, um, there's no such thing as getting away with it in the kingdom of God. Do you know the Christian story? We have a Lord who knows everything. So if you had that idea that was so bad that it would be better to get caught, you didn't get away with it. You did get caught. But today, part of our story today is about how God meets us where we are. And so I'm going to say something to you. I know um, some of you love it when I do this and some of you dislike it when I do this. I want, I want to hear you say, my feet are on the ground. Can you say that? My feet are on the ground. My dad used to say, jump up and don't come down until I tell you. No, my feet are on the ground. We're going to repeat that a couple of times today because the Lord meets us where we are. Our feet are on the ground. It's really important to know that. Okay? Let's see. It's important to know that sometimes we misrepresent correction as difficult judgment or judgment as, as punishment when the Lord is trying to change us. And so I'm going to talk just a little bit about this so that you understand that our feet are on the ground and that that is not a New Testament concept but an Old Testament concept. I'm going to read... Um, just a little bit from uh, Genesis 11. But before we get to Genesis 11, I want to remind you that in Genesis 2 and 3, it was common that the Lord God would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. Do you, do you understand what I mean? It was common that he would walk in the garden with them. And then in Genesis 11, there's this story that is so bad, it goes so bad, that it's a mercy for them to get caught and disrupted. Here's the, here's the story from Genesis 11. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words, and as the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Now remember, God, after the ark, said, Go and fill the world. That was the command. Go everywhere. 
And they began saying to each other, let us make bricks and harden them with fire. And then they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. The language of that is the tower is that its heads would be in the heaven, which is old world language for a temple. Do you remember pyramids and ziggurats all had their heads in the clouds, which meant that there was a spot for the God to dwell up there, not down here on earth. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now remember, the biblical command was, go and fill the earth. So they're working in rebellion. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower. When the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower, in, in the way that ancient world used to do it, the Lord, the gods would come down to the top of the temple, and that's where they would stay. But in this case, the Lord came down to see the temple with his feet on the ground. Where are your feet? On the ground. So in this case, He's come down and he said, look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. They had an idea so dangerous that it was a mercy to us and everybody in between them and us to confuse the languages. Now let me tell you this, this is the idea that's so bad. You can only meet God on this mythopoetic sort of otherworldly place and you don't meet him where he's at. You, you have to go up and build special things to get to him. Why is that so bad? Well, it's so bad because we don't exist or live in those mythopoetic places. We live where? Where are our feet? On the ground. And so what this is essentially saying is their idea was such that you couldn't get to God. He was separate from you. And sometimes commentators perpetuate an idea even though they don't know about it. So this is in... Um, Genesis 28, this is Jacob's dream of Bethel. You know it as Jacob's ladder. And when we were covering this in, um, in the Genesis story, I was telling you this is very clearly a ziggurat or something like that with the language that had a one-of-a-kind word. And it does this. Are you ready? Here it is. So Jacob found a stone to rest his head, and as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth up to heaven, and as he saw the angels going up and down the stairway, what's that mean? Angels going up and down the stairway, an angel stairway, not ours. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord. Now, I need to say this, and I said this then, and I'm going to repeat this all the way. The Hebrew, nisab, Allah, never means at the top. Never, ever, anywhere else in the Bible does it ever get translated above or at the top. Every other location, this translation, these two words are, and beside him. So at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, says this translation. What's that? 
at the top of the mental poetic place is the Lord, and up there. And, and matter of fact, one of the commentaries of one of the people that was in charge of this translation says, well, it's really important to protect the Lord's eminence and, and how high and his authority and all those things. I agree, that's fabulous. Except this text is not about that. This text is literally Nisab Allah. And beside him stood the Lord, and the Lord said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you, and I am giving it to you and your descendants. But what's the difference between having the Lord at the top of the stairway and the difference between having the Lord beside Jacob at the spot? Where are the Lord's feet? On the ground. Why is it important for us to have a Lord who meets us on the ground? Because we can't jump up and not come down until he says so. Gravity keeps our feet planted on the ground. We are not up there jumping into this un unusual sort of thing. And so what do I have to say today to you? Let's say it doesn't ever mean this. And you say, wait, 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 those are two really old things. Let's go to another spot where God meets somebody right where they're at. This is in John 20, 24 through 29. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and, the, and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the side, into his side in the wound. Eight days later, the disciples were meeting together, and this time Thomas was with them, and the doors were locked, and suddenly Jesus was standing among them. Not somewhere else, with them, with his feet on the ground, so to speak. Peace be with you, he said. And they said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side and don't be faithless any longer. I need to say this very, very specifically to you. It is very important that you understand that the Lord is with you and that it's not a New Testament concept that the Lord took up his dwelling place amongst us. It's not just Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us that did that. It was all the way back in the Old Testament that God was always approachable in this way. He, always, he, he met people where they were at. He didn't require them to travel to another astral plane or something like that to meet with him. Do you know why? It's very simple. We don't have the ability to do it. It's so big and so massive, this idea, that God meets us where we're at, that we have a whole concept about this. When we talk with people, we talk about when you get to know them, you form common ground with them. You, you, you get at a spot where both your feet are in the same place. Like when you meet somebody in the grocery store, you're in the grocery store together. 
you have common ground. You, you almost never, here's another saying my dad used to say, oh, I know him, we went to separate schools together. <laughs> See, do, do you understand how that doesn't work? It makes you think, by the way, now you know why I love malapropisms or words that are used incorrectly, because I was raised with that. But when you go to a different school with somebody, you don't have common ground with them. It's why reunions work. Right? You all had those three or four years of pain or fabulous whatever it was <laughs> together, and you could all reminisce or commiserate what high school was like, or junior high, or something like that. Um, common ground. And the reason I'm doing this is because all us humans have a common ground, and this is the verse that I really want to preach from today, and it follows what Dee read earlier today. Okay? So I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him just as the scriptures predicted. And when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teaching teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently on the ground and he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? But bring me the boy. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell, foaming, fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Now you might say that we know this spirit, right? This, this has some of the markers of, of a disease we know, doesn't it? However, how many of them do it on command? So there's something different here in the text. I just want to recognize. How long has this been happening, Jesus asked the boy's father. Since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That's the spot of this. Do you understand that even people with great faith struggle with unbelief? When you're in the eye of a storm or when, you've got, when you're sitting in the waiting place, will he? Can he? I do believe. Help my unbelief. That's the spot of a human being all throughout time. And, and Christians have common doubts with non-Christians in this. I, the difference here is that 
I know the Lord. I know he can. I don't always know if he will. Do you, do you know that I know he can. Don't always know if he will. I don't know when. I, right, he hasn't shown me his, his uh, calendar of events, his schedule. And so I've played the waiting time too. And some of you know the story of, of uh, pain in my life in which I spent years and years waiting for healing. And, and somebody asked me, how do you do that? I said, well, I know he can. I just don't know if he will. Lord, I believe you can. Help my unbelief. Do you know somebody that's sort of like this? They want to believe in the Lord, but they just can't quite get there. Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. This is so very human. But what makes this message so important is this, is that the Lord meets us with his feet on the ground. Not in some other place, not on some astral plane or mythopoetic, not at the top of the pyramids, not in the Holy of Holies where only one person can go with a rope tied around his ankle. No, he does it this way, where he comes and stands beside us closer than a friend. Do you know what's, do you know what's closer than standing beside you? I asked this question. I wish Luke were in here. I asked Luke this question. What's closer than standing beside you? In your heart. Where the Lord God forms a common bond so close with you in relationship, not at some far off place. You don't have to go to Tibet and go to the top of a mountain and talk to a yogi. You don't have to travel to some other continent or any of that. The Lord, God, meets you where you're at. And where's that? Where are your feet? On the ground. Why is this a big deal? Because frankly, some of our ideas are so bad, it would be better to get caught and reprimanded for them. And then we take that reprimand as, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a harsh God. But we forget that there was mercy there. That he was trying to get them to not be rebellious. By the way, that's the Jewish view of sin. We talk about missing the mark. And, you know, like, I got most of it, but I didn't really do it. Isn't that sort of how we think about sin? I sinned. I, I tried really hard. I didn't quite get there. The Jewish version of that understanding is all sin is rebellion against the Lord. He told you how you could live, and you said, no, I would rather eat this fruit than obey you. And so we break the relationship. But he stands, Misabalah, right beside us, or even closer inside our hearts in faith, and do this to form relationship with us so that when we are in a spot where we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, he's there with us in that spot. Now, what do we do with this as a church? Because 
if we're Jesus's kids, we're going to do the things that Jesus does. The scripture is very clear. They come to Jesus and they say, he said, well, Abraham can raise uh, kids out of the stones for, for God, if, or God can raise kids from the stones if Abraham needs them. And, and the people say, but we're Abraham's kids and we've never been slaves of anything. And I'm wondering if the children of Israel remember their own story about Egypt and the Philistines and being slaves. We've never been slaves of anyone. Well, Abraham was. So there you have it. But what's going on here is Jesus specifically says, well, if you were Abraham's kids, you'd do the things Abraham did. But you're not. And because you're not acting that way, you're not. Abraham's kids. If you're God's kids, you're going to keep your feet on the ground and be next to people who are struggling with belief because that's what our Lord Jesus does. Or as John 1.8.1 says, nobody has seen God at any time but the one and only Son who explains him to us. And how does he do that? He stands with his feet on the ground with us. And if you're going to be his, you're going to run into people that don't believe. Because he ran into people that don't believe. He ran into believers that struggled with belief. Are you a believer that sometimes struggles with belief? Do you know a believer who never struggles with belief? I don't. I know some that say they don't. But I don't know any believers that never struggle to trust the Lord in difficult spots. Because there are eyes of the storm, and there are waiting places, and there are difficult places in life. And you know he can, but you don't always know if he will. Why is this so important for us? Because we need to always represent the Lord as somebody that's near, not somebody that's far off. He is near to us. He is always near to us. He will always be near to us, and if we're feeling afar, it's not because of him. It's because we've wandered. But when we represent him, we represent him as a God with his feet on the ground next to us, meeting us where we're at. Very frankly, he can only meet us where we're at because we don't live in two places at the same time. And if we're going to meet him, he's going to have to come to us. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love. I thank you for being so near, nearer than a friend. Thank you for not leaving us in unbelief. Thank you for being there to help our belief when we struggle. Help us discern your mercy in all your ways. In your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen.